bars and hoops, Lamont swoops, back alley cats, the back door cuts with alley oops, posting up, you on block or mic and booth, then kick it out to one who likes to shoot, oh yeah, said we merging them, got 50 with a surgeon, and some throwbacks like Snoop Dogg, with Magic Irvin's and some more in like Master P and Dr. Irvin playing on how about maybe a little Wayne speaking on bird back then, bars and hoops y'all, we hitting up all courts, but now with the sports talk, next we talk all sports, back to it. Got Jada and Jamal Croft, haters get crossed out, crossed up across all actual facts. Points of view that you've never seen from your favorite artists, like talking about Jeffrey Green or Gerald Wallace. Whoever's on your favorite team, El Amino, the verses still be great on the name for BNH. Drake's opinion on spates, one synopsis of Blake, tip on Horford's fate. The facts be giving them straight, the truth they shitting on tape. Who sports snakes for a stake, so true or you can debate on who you really done rate. Come through it, really be great. The true, the fat like a state. AAM on Prime 8, please remember. Bars and hoops, the center of the hood. Make it part of your agenda. Yeah. What up, everybody? Bars and hoops. Stills the Great, episode nine. We got a lot to touch on today, man. You know, it's a lot of stuff that's been going on, you know, the world of sports. You know what I mean? We, our Super Bowl is finally set. You know, the NBA is approaching the All-Star game, man. A lot of snubs, a lot of surprises, and a lot of controversy surrounding the All-Star voting process. But, man, let's just get right into it, man. You know, we're going to start with the NBA. You know what I mean? You know, it's been interesting, man. The season has been shaking out to be kind of surprising for a lot of teams. There's been a lot of teams that's underachieving. There's a lot of teams that are doing what was expected. And there's a lot of turmoil. And the rumor mill is churning right now. You know what I mean? <clears throat> let's start in Cleveland, man, with the defending champs. You know what I mean? It's no secret. They have the greatest player on the planet playing on their team right now. But, you know, he's doing a lot of whining and a lot of complaining now. I don't know if, you know, like other pundits are saying is that the team may be bored and, you know, they're just they're just trying to gear up for the playoffs. But, you know, the king has spoken, man, and he's sitting there whining and complaining about, you know, if they want to compete, they need to go out and look for some players in the open market right now that may be on the trading block, you know. Which is kind of crazy to me, man, because at the end of the day, man, you're the supposed king. You know, yes, you're getting older. I mean, nobody beats Father Time, my brother. You got a couple of championships under your belt. You should be quite happy, man. You know what I mean? But constantly whining and complaining about adding upgrades to your team. It's like, man, let's be realistic, man. The NBA does have a salary cap. You know what I mean? You do have one of the best point guards in the game, even though most don't consider him a point guard. But Kyrie Irving is a big reason why, you know, you guys handed the Warriors that historic 3-1 uh, comeback to win the championship. It was because of Kyrie Irving's play, and I think it's kind of unfair to guys like him, even though you did say it's a top-heavy team. Regardless of the fact it was a top-heavy team last year, your team wasn't that much deeper than it is this year. And at the end of the day, with the way that the salary cap is structured, you get a lion's share of, of the um, salary cap. So what more do you want? You know, you you, 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 orch you orchestrated a deal to get Kevin Love there. You know what I mean? You came there when Kyrie was there, so you kind of you kind of got over on everybody because you seen what was happening in Cleveland and you jumped on the train. I'm not mad at you, but, you know, right now, don't complain. You guys are still a great team. You're the one of the greatest players of all time. And, you know... You got to deal with it, bro. You got to suck it up, pull your big boy pants up, and, and, and get it in in the playoffs. Now, I know that you, you, you know, you kind of chimed in on your buddy, on your buddy situation here in New York, man. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, you know, what he's going through with Phil Jackson and the whole Bermuda Triangle and the whole disaster and the, the, the crap show that's happening on 33rd and 7th Avenue here in New York. You're kind of hinting that you want the Cavs to make a deal. I mean, everybody knows that you want to have Carmelo on your team, but is that going to, you know, help you guys get over the hump? I don't think so. You know what I mean? I don't even think Melo wants to go to Cleveland, to be honest with you. Melo is a big city guy. You know, Cleveland is, is not the ideal place for Melo. I think that he'll be miserable there. I think when you have one of your tantrums and start calling the team out, you guys' friendship probably won't last 
as long as it has, being that you guys have been, you know, great rivals and great friends off the court. I don't think that that, that operation will work with you guys there. And quite frankly, I don't think Kevin Love, even if he was to be traded to New York for a deal uh, that circled around Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Love wouldn't survive here. And, you know, as a native New Yorker, you got to have thick skin to survive here in this city because the fans will let you know quick what you can do with yourself. And I don't think that Kevin Love has the mental makeup to last here in New York. The Knicks have to kind of stick with Carmelo Anthony and um, make it work and make things happen. You know what I mean? The, the reason why the team is struggling is not all Carmelo Anthony's fault. And I refuse to sit here and blame him because at the end of the day, he's not the president nor the GM. I'll get to that a little bit later. But as far as LeBron James is concerned, man, I respect the fact that, you know, he wants to get better. He wants the team to get better. But at, at the end of the day, man, it's a salary cap. You can't have an all-world team every year, man, going into the playoffs and in and, and hopes of winning the championship, man. The greats didn't do it that way. Mike didn't sit there and complain and cry about not having help. You know what I mean? Magic Johnson damn sure didn't do it. Larry Bird didn't do it. Isaiah didn't do it. All the greats before you, man, never sat and complained and whined about getting help. You know what I mean? At least not publicly. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, a man of your stature and greatness shouldn't be sitting there looking for a handout or somebody to gift wrap you a point guard to, to help you run the show and run the table again to win another championship to chase the greats. You know what I mean? I think that that's a coward way out. And, you know, I'm not calling you a coward, but that's a cowardly act. And, you know, I think that you're better than that. I think that you have enough in the tank to carry your team to another championship the way it stands. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think you just need to suck it up. You know what I mean? Suck it up just like everybody else that's suffering with their situations and they're not having the ball roll in their favor. You know, everybody wants to have a great set of teammates about around them. But with the way that the salary cap is structured, it's not it's not possible, man. And that's just parts of the game, man. That's the bumps that come with the road. And I think that as a player of your stature, you shouldn't be complaining. You should be working harder, getting your teammates to get better and, you know, worrying about winning that next championship without begging for help. You dig? <laughs> next on the list. You know, I, I, I touched briefly on the New York Knicks situation. Now I'm going to go knee deep into it, man. And I'm talking about the situation between Carmelo Anthony and Phil Jackson. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, man, a lot of people have a lot of blame to go around. You know, Carmelo does have his faults. But at the end of the day, he bought in to what Phil was, 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 uh, was presenting when he came to New York. You know what I mean? Granted... You know, Melo didn't stay here all for the team. Everybody knows that. I think that's that's no secret. But he has showed loyalty. You know what I mean? He's never once complained about what Phil was doing. You know what I mean? He, he, he definitely took everything like a champion and put everything on his back. Like he said, when we win, it's a team win. But when we lose, it's it's all his fault. And, you know, a lot of athletes, man, they can't. They can't handle that, man. A lot of these NBA players, namely KD, namely LeBron, a lot of these guys can't handle that type of pressure and that type of situation and media scrutiny the way that Carmelo Anthony is doing it here in New York. And that's why I feel at the end of the day, Carmelo doesn't need to go anywhere. He doesn't need to run anywhere. He sat, he dealt with all the criticism. He took it like a champ and he's still holding it down and playing his heart out every night he goes out there and, and perform for the New York Knicks. You know what I mean? Granted, you know, a lot of it has to do with his family, but at the end of the day, I think that he came here with really good intentions of winning a championship. I think the Knicks still have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, if they add a couple of pieces here and there, you know, maybe, you know, the conversation will change, but I don't blame Carmelo Anthony for what's going on in New York. I put everything solely on the shoulders of Phil Jackson. You know, I don't think that he really wants to be here. He's stealing money. I don't know if he wants Dolan to fire him. If I was Dolan, I would think about firing him. And I've been on the record to say that Phil Jackson should have been gone a long time ago. You know what I mean? He tied us up with a lot of money, you know, with the, the contracts of Courtney Lee, with the Joe Kim Noah deal. 
I mean, granted, he's done some decent things as a GM, like, as a president, I should say. You know, you brought in Kuzminskis, who's looking like he's going to be the real deal once he gets this game speed under him and, and really understand the NBA fully. Hernan Gomez looks like he's going to be the truth. You know, to be quite honest with you, it's looking like Jeff Hornacek is the real problem. You know what I mean? Questionable rotations, lineups. I don't know if, you know, it's coming from the top of the um, garden to play certain players because you got to justify contracts. But at the end of the day, in New York, it's all about wins and losses, man. So as a coach, Hornacek, you better put your big boy pants on and start making some real decisions that's going to start getting some W's in the win column because New York is definitely a place that you don't want to fail because the fans will let you know it. You know what I mean? The players are already semi-turning on you, so you need to put your captain's hat on, man, and right this ship because the ship be sinking. The ship be sinking if you don't get it together before All-Star Weekend, man. You know what I mean? But back to Phil Jackson, man. You know, everybody gives him credit for Kristaps Porzingis. You know, Porzingis basically fell in his lap. Let's be honest. You know, I remember that Phil was looking to trade that pick at one particular point in time because it wasn't the number one or number two pick because he liked D'Angelo Russell and he definitely loved Jaleel Okafor. I'm glad that we kind of missed, we dodged that bullet with Jaleel Okafor because he doesn't look like he has the type of motor that would last here in New York. The media would eat him alive. He's lazy. He's not doing too well in, in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid has came in and taken that team by storm. And, um, you know, Porzingis definitely looks like the better pick, but it looked like he fell in the field's lap. And speaking of Porzingis, you know, he's he's sort of like the jury is still out on this guy. He's, he's, he's looking like he's injury prone. Um, a lot of his game is predicated on the perimeter, and I think that it's being magnified even more now because the team is losing. You know, he's 7'3", he plays like he's 6'3", you know what I mean? We're getting killed on the boards, and he's the tallest person on the court almost every night, and he needs to get a little bit more rebounds than maybe six or seven a game, whatever he's averaging, but it's definitely not double figures, and it's not close to double figures in boards, and the injury bug is biting him, is biting him because to me, he's doing a little bit too much for his size. You know, floating on the perimeter, trying to take guys off the dribble that's half your size is not going to work and it's not going to help you out physically, brothers. Like, the NBA is a different animal. It's not like Latvia where you played in the Spanish League and you were able to do all types of wild and crazy stuff. The NBA is a totally different ball game. The athleticism of these players and the skill level of these players are totally different than what you're coming from, you know. And you need to slow down a little bit, bro. You need to work on your game. Everybody's telling you to bulk up. I know that you've been bulk, trying to bulk up. You need to work on your low post game because that's where the Knicks need you at. You have all the tools and all the capabilities of being what you want to be. But at the end of the day, man, when you're not producing, your flaws get magnified 10 times, 20 times more when the team isn't winning. And again, that's all on the president and the coach of this team to possibly help you improve in those areas. And of course, Carmelo Anthony should also be a mentor to you. I'm not taking him off the hook when it comes to that, but Melo, Melo should be, you know, a more of a mentor to you to help you develop as a player. But you yourself have to be willing to learn. You got to stay off the social media. You know what I mean? I know it's big here, you know, in, in the U.S., but, you know, sometimes you got to focus on the game. Sometimes you got to do like your counterparts, like LeBron. He rarely tweets. He rarely uh, posts anything on IG during, you know, season mode. De definitely during the playoffs. You won't see him until the summertime and when everything is said and done. So I think that, you know, UKP, you need to start working on your game a little bit more. Start improving more because the team needs you more than you think. And if, and if the rumors are true that, you know, Carmelo basically has one foot out of here because of all of the remarks with Phil Jackson and Charlie Rosen and everything, you better be ready to take over this team because at the end of the day, the Knicks and the Knicks fans will run you out of town quick, my brother. So you better hope that Melo sticks around to help you with your development because quite frankly, right now, you're not ready. 
you're not ready in my book you got a lot of work to do it started off as a flash in the pan but you know looking at your counterparts your fellow draft classmates like Carl Anthony Towns he's starting to separate himself from you at one particular point in time I thought that you would be better than him because of your outside shot but you're not putting all your tools to work my brother and it's like you got a long way to go and in New York City we're not waiting for any more projects my brother you know what I mean? You need to get yourself healthy. You need to work on your game. You need to stay off social media. Now, as far as Phil Jackson goes, my whole thing to sum this whole topic up is if James Dolan is listening and if he's smart, you'll take a real hard look at, you know, what will be more detrimental to your franchise. Carmelo Anthony is basically the one that's selling tickets here. Let's not get it twisted. It's not KP, it's not Phil Jackson, it's Carmelo Anthony. We have a star here in New York. We have a star that people genuinely will come out to watch and support. Now, Phil Jackson only has a year and a half left on his contract. He could opt out of his contract after this year. He basically stole money for three years while he was here. You know, I, I specifically don't like Phil Jackson because when he first came here, he was on his high horse and he, he criticized the team's lineup. He criticized the makeup of the roster. He said that he wants learners. He wants all of this, all of this Zen master stuff that, you know, pretty much he earned by coaching three or four of the greatest basketball players of all time, especially the greatest of their positions. You had Kobe, Shaq, MJ, and Scotty. You know what I mean? So, you know, you didn't really do it with some um, journeymen, you know what I mean? And like LeBron said, man, Coach Pop separated himself because he was able to adjust to the speed of the game, the way that the game has changed. You haven't done that, my friend, and you definitely haven't done anything as an executive to sit around here and poke your chest out like you're some savior because right now, you're, you're a novice GM at, at best, novice president at best, and I think that it'd be best if you sit down with James Dolan and James Dolan basically convinces you to um thinking about stepping away because if it's between you and Melo I'd rather Melo than you at the end of the day and if the Knicks are planning on blowing this whole thing up and moving Carmelo Anthony you need to bring in an experienced president and a GM to do so because the options that are on the table right now whether it's Los Angeles with the Clippers or Cleveland you know the assets that we're getting back is not going to be equal value to Carmelo Anthony, even at his diminished state. Let's just get that right. And if you're talking about bringing Blake Griffin, for one, he's injury prone. Two, I don't think that he has the skin, the thick skin to deal with the New York media. And the same goes for Kevin Love. He doesn't have the skin to deal with this city, man, at all. You know what I mean? Weather-wise or media-wise, he doesn't have the skin to deal with it. You're not going to find somebody like Carmelo Anthony. Guys like him don't fall off trees, man. You know what I mean? It's a blessing that he was here. We made one mistake and ran one, one Hall of Famer out of town because everybody got tired of him because of the new kids on the block. We can't do the same thing again. No matter how diminished Carmelo Anthony's game has been, he's still your best player on this team. Hands down. You know what I mean? I think that he's proven that. And again, if it came down to Phil or Carmelo, I'm picking Carmelo over Phil Jackson all day, every day. And I think that James Dolan feels the same way. And I think that Phil Jackson's tenure as a Knicks president is coming to the end. He doesn't respect the fan base. He doesn't feel like he owes anybody an opinion or, or, or an explanation of why the team is struggling. You know, he's coaching from the rafters. And it's just time for the Knicks to uh, move on from the Phil Jackson chapter. Next on the list. NBA All-Star starters, you know, the lineups have been have been made, you know, the decisions have been made, you know, it was a mixture and combination of the fans' votes, they added a wrinkle now with the players actually voting, which the players turned it into a mockery, and the media, you know what I mean, like some of the players out here, you know, it's crazy because, you know, a couple of players that didn't even touch the floor, didn't even bother to vote for KD, or LeBron James, you know what I mean? Let's be real, man. Those two are like one and two in the league right now. Like, for you not to vote for them is some other type of motive, and, you know, people won't take you serious as players, and I think that they're going to change that system after this year because guys like Jaja Pachula, you know, 
he had more votes than, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Russell Westbrook. It's just crazy, man. Like, you know, the, the system is definitely flawed and the NBA is going to change it moving forward. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get to the Eastern Conference starters. You know, at the forwards, of course, it's no surprise, LeBron James. And this year, surprising player. I think that he's going to get most improved player of the year in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you have Kyrie Irving. You have Jimmy Butler. And you have DeMar DeRozan. That rounds out the starting lineup for the East. For the West, no, no, no surprises here. Kevin Durant. You know, Kawhi Leonard, who's definitely looking like he's coming for that crown. You know, Steph Curry, which was a controversial start. Anthony Davis, and you can't you can't deny James Harden, man. You definitely can't deny him. Right now, the Rockets are playing on another level. Harden is playing at another level. And you got to give them their respect and the credit. Because, you know, nobody thought that that operation would work with D'Antoni and Harden. But they're surprising everybody. Now, let's get to the snubs. Notice one player that I didn't mention in the starting lineup for the West in conference, which is just utterly ridiculous, and that's uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, the man is averaging a triple-double, and again, it's, it's just the players making a mockery of the system and, you know, fans just not doing the right thing. You know what I mean? People complained about, you know, the fans just having all of the access and control over everything, over everything. Players had a say-so, and the players didn't do the right thing. To me, Steph Curry doesn't deserve to start. Russell Westbrook should be starting, but I know deep down politically now, it may be something where they probably don't want to keep KD and Russell Westbrook together in the starting lineup because that'll probably mess up, you know, the flow of the game as far as those two are concerned. And it's a shame, man. You know what I mean? It's a shame, but I don't blame Russell Westbrook for feeling the way that he feels. You know what I mean? Because, again, nobody knows what him and KD discussed or if they even discussed anything. Or if KD was sitting up there fronting all of these years, acting like they were the best of friends and he'd do anything for us. And then once he got the opportunity to go to run to a team that basically beat them, you know, he took it. And I don't blame Russell Westbrook for looking at him like a coward or whatever the case may be. But I know that a lot of this all-star stuff with Russell Westbrook not starting has a lot to do with the KD situation. And it's, it's pretty sad, man. You know, we got a guy historically doing something that hasn't been done in eons. He's averaging a triple-double. The team is winning for the most part, and he's doing it basically with no real help. He doesn't have a big three behind him. He doesn't have a big two with him to help him on nights when he's off. He's performing night in and night out. You know what I mean? With, with average B and C level players at best. You know what I mean? So Russell Westbrook should be deser should be deserving of a starting spot in the lineup. But, you know, again, politics and, you know, probably likability around the league kind of derailed that. The next snub on the list is definitely Isaiah Thomas. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I love Kyrie Irving's game, but Kyrie Irving shouldn't be starting over Isaiah Thomas. I'm sorry. You know, Kyrie kind of has it easy because he has Kevin Love and he has LeBron James around him. And like Russell Westbrook, Isaiah Thomas has B-level, C-level talent around him as well. Don't get me wrong. His B-level players are, 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 are above average. They're above average B-level, but they're still B-level. You know what I mean? And Isaiah Thomas is putting up numbers. He's not even 5'10", and he's putting up numbers like he's 6'10". You know what I mean? And that's something that you can't discredit and can't take away from the little man. And he deserves to be starting in the All-Star game this year. And it's a travesty that, you know, they aren't starting. Hopefully, these two gentlemen won't be snubbed. I don't think they'll be snubbed because I guess the coaches or whoever's going to have this last say-so when the reserves are announced on Thursday. And I do fully expect Russell Westbrook and Isaiah Thomas to be named as um, All-Stars moving forward. Next on the list, we're going to switch to the football lane. Hmm. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys situation. You know, the Cowboys went down. You know, Aaron Rodgers picked them apart. You know, it kind of destroyed them. So now they're in the offseason. Now, what's the big talk? 
You would think that the big talk would be about the rookies and how can they build around the rookies and make that team better so that they can compete for a championship in the near future. And don't get it twisted. I'm a Giant fan, but I recognize that the Cowboys are coming and they have two great rookies that are going to be a problem in the NFC and in the NFL for a very long time. You know, Dak Prescott, he, he's done something that the league hasn't seen done in many years, if, if ever. You know what I mean? He led the team to a 14-2 and record, you know, as a rookie. You know what I mean? That's not easy to do. That's like, you know, <laughs> that's coming straight out of high school, basically, to the league and, and just dominating. You don't see that too often. And guys with that type of talent and that type of poise at that age don't come along too often. And it's a travesty at what, you know, Jerry Jones and um, Jason Garrett are doing to him. In, in Dallas and if I was him I would definitely keep a mental note of that in the back of my mind because once it's my time to go I'll be El Segundo you know what I mean they haven't committed to him starting next year which I feel is unfair but then again you know the old saying is that you never lose your spot to injury and that's cool but the clear reality is Tony Romo has never even took the Dallas Cowboys as far as Dak Prescott done as a rookie and the fact that Jerry Jones is looking over that and the fact that Jason Garrett is looking over that is sad because honestly Tony Romo is a shell of himself he's one sack away from probably being injured for the rest of his career he's definitely going to be a broken down human being once football is over you know what I mean he's going to be one of those guys that's with a walker in his 50s you know what I mean because his spine and his back and his legs and you know he's going to be a he's going to be a sad sight to see once he gets to that age to where, you know, your bones and stuff really start talking to you, your insides start talking to you, your body reacts differently to certain things, his 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 situation is going to be elevated and escalated because of the beating that he's taken over the years as a football player. It's like, you know, he gets hurt, he comes he come back, he sounds like Mike Tyson. I'm like, I broke my back. My back was broken. <laughs> I broke my back in the second quarter, but I came back, you know what I mean, to eat his kids. Like, you know what I mean? Tony Romo's going to be a, a, a sad sight to see when he retires. And so will Ben Roethlisberger. And I respect Roethlisberger for respecting his body and listening to himself. Like, you know, it's maybe it's time to think about retirement. You know what I mean? I've taken a beating for a long time. That's what Tony Romo should be doing, what Ben Roethlisberger is doing. You know, you know, Dan Lebertal, those guys are some funny guys. They say Roethlisberger goes down. He goes in the locker room and, and just injects steroids in his face, allegedly. I'm not saying that he uses steroids, but they would always joke about stupid stuff like that. And it's entertaining. But, you know, he's taking a beating for his organization. And he's finally realized that, hey, man, enough might be enough. You know, I don't think that it's healthy for me. I want to be able to run around with my kids when I retire, you understand? So Tony Romo, you know, I know that, you know, you wanted to come back and redeem yourself in Dallas, but I think that that ship has sunk and um, it's Dak Prescott's time now, you know what I mean? And Jerry Jones, shame on you for even, you know, uh, adding fuel to this fire because everybody knows that that decision comes from you up top and it's a shame that you're gonna sit there and stunt the growth or put any type of doubt in the mind of a rookie quarterback that came back and made your team relevant this year. You know what I mean? So all the talks about Tony Romo or Dak Prescott may be the starter next year, it should clearly be Dak Prescott hands down. You know what I mean? I don't think that Tony Romo has it anymore, to be honest. Yes, he came in one game and showed that, hey, I could still throw touchdowns, but that was against the Eagles team when the season was basically over. Nobody was really playing hard. Nobody was trying to get hurt. You came in, you looked good against some B-level talent on the field. A-level players who basically hung it up already. So don't get gas. You know what I mean? So in my opinion, I think that Tony Romo should look to go in some place like Houston. You know, Houston needs... A quarterback, you know, the Osweiler thing didn't work out there for him. You know what I mean? And, you know, rightfully so. To me, he should have stuck in Denver. He started feeling himself. 
and he got exposed. You went to Houston, the Texans, you know, they didn't do well with you. You know, you got lucky because you had a good defense, you had a great uh, running game, and you had a great receiver to help cover some of your flaws. But at the end of the day, in their mind, you're not the you're not the quarterback of the future for them, and you got exposed. So if I was Romo, uh, if I was the Dallas uh, Cowboys organization, and I had to make a decision, I know it may hurt because you probably wouldn't want to keep him in the in the state. But the good thing is, if he stays in Houston or if he stays in Texas in general, he won't be in the same division as you. You know what I mean? The only time you'll see Tony Romo is if the the Texans actually ever made it to the Super Bowl. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. I don't care if J.J. Watt comes back 10 times better next year. I don't see the Texans getting there, you know what I mean, next year. It looks like New England is going to dominate the AFC for a very long time. And, you know, Denver's going to rebound because they they still have a championship defense. They had a decent running game. They just didn't have the quarterback to make things work. And, you know, I just think that, you know, Tony Romo should think about going to someplace like that. I don't think that he's going to work in Denver, the cold weather, and like I said, his bones and his back. Like I said, he broke his back in the second quarter. I don't think that, you know, it's going to work in Denver. You know what I mean? It's not going to work in Denver, bro. You're better off staying in Texas. You're loved in Texas. You can still go to Jerry's house to eat dinner every now and then if you want to. Go catch his son's games. Whatever y'all do together, whatever little scandal y'all got going on with each other, you, you won't be too far from him if you stick around and stay in Texas. So if Jerry Jones is smart, he'll keep you in Texas. You know what I mean? Other than that, it's Dak Prescott's team, it's Ezekiel Elliott's team, and the Dallas Cowboys has a bright young core and future, you know, heading towards the future of the NFL, man. Like, And every team in the NFC East should be worried including my Giants, getting to my Giants. You know, so there's been a lot of rumors and a lot of things going on lately. You know, everybody's been worried about Odell Beckham and his, you know, off-the-court shenanigans, boat rides and, you know, kissing Nets, proposing the Nets, all of that stuff, man. You know what I mean? Odell is still a young man. I think that he's going to get it together. This was a hard pill for him to swallow. You know what I mean? I think this situation kind of humbled him. You know what I mean? It humbled him, and, and I think it made him hungry. You know, they just had some highlight clips of showing him getting up and putting on slam dunk contest dunks, you know, for the camera, man. So that boy is definitely not hurting. He's trying to get over his little stupor that he had in the playoffs this year. It's a learning experience. Your first playoff action, it's a learning experience. I think next year you're going to come back stronger. I hope Sterling Shepard comes back a lot stronger. I hope that, you know... The, the man of the hour, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, he, he came out and clearly said that um, he's not taking a one-year deal and he kind of wants a large sum of money, something to the tune of what Olivier Vernon got. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think that the Giants should do that. I don't think that they should break the bank to bring him back. And if he really wants to come back, he should be happy that the team didn't give up on him. You know what I mean? Like... Not for nothing, you blew your fingers off. The team couldn't get in contact with you. you. You did what you had to do, but you came back with a vengeance. You had a decent season. You had seven sacks this year before you got hurt with an injury again. You got to keep that in mind. You left with an injury. You didn't leave on the last play of the game in the playoffs when the team needed you. So that right there is a strike against you, my brother. And don't get me wrong. I want to see you back in a Giants uniform. But at the end of the day, we got to be realistic and real about this situation. You know what I mean? You are an injured player. You know what I mean? The team has spent a lot of money on defense. The team has gotten 100% better. And it's only right. And it's the smart thing for you to do by sticking around and staying with this core. Because the Giants defense is going to be real for a lot of years. Like, DRC, they need to bring him back as well. You can't let him go. Eli Apple isn't ready yet. Janoris Jenkins is a stud. You know, you know, you, you got to definitely, definitely keep that defense intact because it's been a few years that the defense has been horrible. You know, our safeties look good. You know what I mean? You know, the defense, the defense is bright. It's looking really strong, and the future for the Giants' defense looks strong. The problem is the offensive end. And speaking of offense, you know, rumor has it that um, Adrian Peterson has put the Giants on one of the lists that he wouldn't mind 
you know, coming to and playing for. Now, me, for one, you know, you got to also factor in the fact that AP is a little long in the tooth, but he's still better than a lot of these running backs in the league. You know, I think that, you know, a guy like him can probably help a guy like Victor Cruz if the Giants elect on keeping Victor Cruz around. You know what I mean? You know, being that they've had the same injury, you know, but AP's come back like an animal. Cruz had a decent season this year, but nothing to brag about. You know what I mean? He still he still needs to work on his game. He can't expect to get a big payday from the Giants either because the team didn't turn their back on him as well. You know, these guys should be giving the Giants reasonable deals. I'm not saying sell yourself short, but you should take one for the team and for the city because at the end of the day, once you leave here, you know, who knows what's going to happen. For Jason Pierre-Paul, it may be different. He can go somewhere like Jacksonville. You can go somewhere like probably Dallas and stick it to us. Or go somewhere like Green Bay or to Atlanta. You got a lot of options, but will the teams give you the money that you're actually looking for with your current situation? I don't think so. Somebody may be desperate, but I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that the best place for you is New York City. And I think that you should give the team a discount so that the Giants can shore up their offensive side of the ball. You know, they have to get a line. They have to get a line, man, to protect Eli. You know, Flowers, he had a struggling season. You know what I mean? Still young. He lost his cool a lot of games. And he was exposed. Let's be real. But the Giants' main problems was on the offensive end. Don't get me wrong. Paul Perkins is going to be a stud. Don't get me wrong. He's a problem. Like, if they had a good offensive line, we probably wouldn't be talking about bringing AP into the equation. But AP is just a different animal. You know what I mean? Adrian Peterson, we, if we can use him for at least two years, three years, the Giants are winning the Super Bowl. You got to worry about him and, and Odell Beckham Jr. and an improving Sterling Shepard. The Giants also need to uh, improve at the tight end position. You know what I mean? Our tight ends were too hot and cold. One minute, you know, we didn't even have a steady tight end, man. You know, we haven't had a great tight end since Jeremy Shockey. You know, Kevin Boss did well when he was here. You know, but the Giants haven't had a stud at tight end in, in some years now. And, you know, they need to really address certain parts of the offensive end because it, it doesn't pay to have a $200 million defense and your offense is looking bad. Granted, Eli is regressing, and I've been saying that the Giants need to start looking for a replacement for Eli Manning because at the end of the day, you know, Eli Manning is still the same Eli Manning that he was when he came into the league. Still making silly plays, still throwing in the double and triple coverage, still locking in on one receiver when he's under pressure. You know, it's, it's starting to get old now, and I think that the Giants front office recognize that it's a problem and that it's something that needs to be addressed moving forward. You know, I love Eli. Uh, you know, you got us two championships, two Super Bowls. We can't we can't knock him just off of that fact alone. But the fact of the matter is a lot of talented quarterbacks haven't made it to a Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean that Eli Manning is better than them. You know what I mean? I'll take an Aaron Rodgers any day over Eli Manning. I'll take a Tom Brady any day over Eli Manning. You know what I mean? I'll even take Phillip Rivers any day over Eli Manning. Don't get it twisted. Phillip Rivers is a very good quarterback, but it's just the fact that he played in San Diego. You know, nobody really paid him any mind or gave him the real credit that he's due. He's a gunslinger, you know, and he was a, he was supposed to be a New York Giant. But Archie Manning and the Manning family pulled some strings and got the Giants to work out a deal with San Diego. And here we are with Eli Manning at the end of his career now, two Super Bowls later. But it's time to start looking towards the future, and the Giants need to address the quarterback situation, offensive line situation. If they can find a way to bring Adrian Peterson in, please do so. You know what I mean? There's also a lot of receivers on the market, like Deshaun Jackson. I would definitely, and the Giants need to do a lot of work because what Atlanta is doing out there, it's going to be a problem for years to come because Sanu and Julio Jones and the two-headed monster of Coleman and, and Freeman that the Falcons have, man, they're looking like they're going to be a formidable team in the near future for a couple of years because those guys are still young and they're still getting better. I mean, Matt Ryan, he's a little long in the tooth, but this was arguably his best season of his career and he peaked at the right time because the Falcons are on the move and their future is bright 
and I'm going to talk about them a little bit later. But for now, the Giants, you got a lot of work to do, Jerry Reese. You need to find a, a gym at quarterback in the draft. <laughs> Man, I wish a guy like Watson can fall to us, you know what I mean? But that's not going to happen. He's going to end up going to a bum-ass team like the Jets or somewhere that, you know, he's going to be tucked away and people aren't going to really see him until he comes to their town to play. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. To me, the Giants need to focus on bringing JPP back. JPP needs to be focusing on giving the Giants a, a break and a, and a discount because they had faith in you and they believed in you when everybody else thought you were finished. Granted, you don't want to take a one-year deal, but you'd rather take a friendly deal to help the team grow so that they can they can compete while you're still here and you're still young. And with that being said, they need to get Adrian Peterson. Yes, I'm advocating for the Giants to go after Adrian Peterson. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I like Paul Perkins, man. You know, I like Rashad Jennings, but Adrian Peterson is on another planet, man. And, you know, if they can get that and show up the offensive line, now we're talking Giants football. Otis Anderson football, Rodney Hampton type football, Joe Ma Joe Morris, you know what I mean? Dave Meggett. Like, the Giants had some great running backs. Amar Bradshaw, like, guys that ran with passion and heart, and they carried the team on offense at times. You know what I mean? We had a couple hiccups, the Ron Danes of the world, and you know what I mean? Brandon Jacobs, you know, he was a splash in the pan, but we never had a running back like AP, man. And if they could bring AP here to add to that mix of receiving core that we have and get a tight end in here that can possibly help us move the chains on third downs and the Giants will be in, in, in the mix, man, because the Dallas Cowboys right now are looking like they're hungry and they don't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon. Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott are rookies, so they have at least... 12, 13 years to reign in this division. And, you know, unless the Giants can do something to counter that, we're going to have problems for years to come. You know, speaking of um, football, you know, sticking to the subject, you know, we're just going to talk about some of the other rumors that's been floating around the league. You know, you know, quiet is kept. The 49ers are trying to improve and they're moving on from Colin Kaepernick, you know, uh, and quite frankly, they need to. You know, Kaepernick doesn't need to be in San Francisco anymore. The 49ers should have never got rid of Harbaugh. And, you know, word in the street is that, you know, Kirk Cousins may be in their sights if the Washington Redskins don't do anything to rectify his situation and bring him back. And I think that'll be a decent look for the 49ers. You know what I mean? They still got a lot of work. They still need to get some receivers. I mean, Carlos Hyde is a good running back. Their defense was dominant at one point in time but you know things happen people retired and people had injuries that ended their careers and the 49ers turned into a bad franchise overnight chip kelly didn't help he didn't work in in uh philadelphia and he damn sure didn't work in san francisco so you know the 49ers have their work cut out for them but at least they're trying to look to improve at quarterback which is the most important uh, position in the game next on the list the Antonio Brown Facebook Live camera situation. You know what I mean? I know it's, it's, it's water under the bridge now. The Steelers at home. And I know Brown is sitting back thinking about it. And it was a foolish decision for him to do that and betray his coach. And he lost the trust of his coach, Mike Tomlinson. Don't get me wrong, man. I love Mike Tomlinson, man. I would love to have him as my coach here in New York. You know what I mean? But um, what Antonio Brown did was irresponsible you know what i mean i think that he realized that it was but the underlying issue was that you know he had a six-figure deal with facebook live and they pretty much allegedly told him to you know record live in the locker room so the fans can get an up and close and personal look at what goes on in the nfl locker room which clearly was foolish on his part because you broke all types of team rules you broke nfl rules you just did something that was silly, and I think it fueled the fire for the ass-whooping that they got handed to them by, you know, the Patriots in Foxborough on, on Sunday. And granted, they are home, and, you know, I think that he's going to think about it. I think he's going to learn from it. But this is just the age that we're in, man. The diva receiver, the diva player, you know, social media has taken over. 
You know, this is the way of life right now. It's not like how it was back in the days. And people can't get mad at these athletes and think that they're going to change overnight because, quite frankly, they're not. You got to live with it. But as players, you got to be a lot smarter and think before you hit tweet, before you live feed, before you do anything on any of these social social media outlets because somebody's always watching and quite frankly you'll hurt your future and you'll hurt your team by doing something foolish like what Antonio Brown did next on the list Shady Brady Tom Brady Tom Shady you know word on the street is you know he's he's cool with with Donald Trump and let me just get this straight man you know what I mean he can be cool with whoever he wants to be with be cool with you know what I mean it just so happens that him and Donald Trump are friends there's nothing wrong being friends with somebody that we disagree with but at the end of the day people have to understand man he's the president now I mean you know I don't respect him I'm just off the strength of how they treated President Obama when he was in office you definitely not getting no respect from me for Donald Trump you know what I mean and the fact that he's showing his true colors now that he's doing all types of wild stuff where you know, he's breaking all type of rules and he's still president, man. I, I hope that he gets impeached. You know what I mean? I hope you know, I don't get any backlash from him. But at the end of the day, he's breaking all the rules as president. He's not showing his tax documents. He's opening up uh, Keystone pipelines. And you know what I mean? Everything he's doing is for big business. And granted, this is what, you know, most poor people and some of you blacks voted for. So now you got to deal with it. You know, at the end of the day, everybody's going to be affected by whatever decision that he makes. You know, whether you position yourself to capitalize off of his presidency, that's on you. If you don't, then you're going to have a hard time. You know what I mean? That's just the reality of it. And we have four years to make that change. He's already talking about eight years. So obviously his cabin is definitely telling him, oh, don't just think about these four years. Think about the next eight years. Me personally, I don't see it. You know, just looking at all the marches and everything that happened over the weekend, I don't see him repeating as president again. But he's going to get in office and do damage and fatten his pocket. So when he does leave after these four years, he's going to be a lot richer than he was these days. He's already rich. He's just going to be filthy rich. His kids, 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 kids won't have to work a day in their life after he's done doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? And that's all I'm going to touch on with with Trump. But back to Brady, man. I know that he has to feel great missing four games to begin the season, you know, being accused of deflating balls, balls, you know, and then now you have the opportunity to receive a trophy from the man that basically had a witch hunt on you. That's going to be some interesting TV for your behind on Super Bowl Sunday. Me, quite frankly, I don't know. I'm not going to spoil my prediction, but I'm going to get to that after I finish about talking about Brady. But, you know, Tom Brady, hands down, is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, you know, granted he had the perfect team around him, offensive line, and he hasn't had stud receivers. The only stud receiver he's had, and I said this many times, was Randy Moss. Everybody else was B-level, C-level receivers. I mean, he's had great tight ends. Gronkowski, Hernandez, um, he had some decent running backs in his career, but he's never had star receivers like uh, Odell Beckham or, you know, Antonio Brown outside of Randy Moss for that one or two seasons that he did play in New England. So Tom Brady gets all the props to me, Tom Shady, you know what I mean? You broke that cell phone, brother, who knows what was on there, but I'm pretty sure they found out what was on there, but it just didn't get to the general public but you know Brady hands down he could be friends with whoever he's friends with I don't care if he's Donald Trump's friend I don't care if he's rocking make America great again hats who cares man at the end of the day Donald Trump is who he's for the rich people and you know you gotta you gotta deal with it the electoral system whether Russia helped get him in office he's in office what are you gonna do now now you need to pay more attention to your politics locally and hold those guys accountable. But as far as the presidency, it's a wrap. Everybody can cry, march, do whatever you want to do. He's the president of the United States, and we got to deal with it. 
Last on the list, man. Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51, man. This is going to be an interesting Super Bowl. I think it's going to really be a blowout, to tell you the truth, man. The way that Atlanta is playing right now, I don't think that, you know, New England is going to be able to stop that that two-headed monster coming out of the backfield. They may try to take away Julio Jones. Granted, you you know, they're definitely going to look to take him away, but you still have Sanu, you still have Douglas, you still have all those other receivers to worry about. And, you know, quite frankly, you got to pick your poison with Atlanta. Their defense is looking real good. You know what I mean? Matt Ryan is playing out of his mind. You know, this is his first big dance, and we know how Belichick does against, you know, first-timers and newbies, and he'll definitely design a plan to try to take away their best their best options, which is, you know, Julio Jones and the running game, you know, and leave it in Matt Ryan's hands. So it's Matt Ryan's Super Bowl MVP to get. He just has to step up to the plate and perform. I I, I really think that Atlanta is going to do it. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. But at the end of the day, I think that the Falcons are due, you know, throughout all the troubles and everything that they that organization has been through with the whole Michael Vick situation and, you know, all of the nonsense that they've been through, Atlanta may finally get one. You know what I mean? Last time they got to the Super Bowl, the Dirty Bird, Jamal, Jamal Lewis was their uh, running back. You know what I mean? So, in, in, in all fairness, I think that the Falcons will prevail. I think that Brady will give up a, a, a good fight. He'll finally lose to another quarterback not named Eli Manning. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I just really think that Atlanta's do that two-headed monster in the backfield is just too much. And if they focus on stopping the run, you got to worry about stopping the passing game. And Julio Jones is lively to open up for a big game if they focus on the run. So I think they're going to their, their whole thing is let Atlanta beat them on with the running game and not let Julio Jones torch them. But who knows, man? Who knows? I, th- I just know that it's going to be an entertaining Super Bowl. And I just think that at the end of the day, Atlanta will come out on top. You know, you know Gronkowski not playing and, you know, the, the, the receiving core that New England has. I mean, Hogan did well this past week. You know what I mean? He did well. Edelman is there. You know, Amendola, I just I just don't think that, you know, it's New England's year. Brady put up a hell of a uh, campaign. I think that he'll get league MVP, you know what I mean? But I think that the league, I mean, the Super Bowl MVP will go to Matt Ryan because they're going to place everything in Matt Ryan's hands and dare him to beat the New England Patriots. You know what I mean? They could take away Julio Jones with that run game and something serious. And if you worry about Julio Jones, the other receivers will torch you. And again, I don't think it's going to be a great uh, a great day for New England. I think that they're going to go down. My prediction for the score, I'll say the score will be about 37 to 31 Atlanta. 37-31 Atlanta. And my MVP will be Matt Ryan. Matty Ice. <laughs> so there you have it, people. Another episode in the books, Bars and Hoops. Don't forget to follow us on our social media outlets at Instagram, Bars and Hoops. That's B A R S A N D Hoops. You know what I mean? Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on SoundCloud. Like us, subscribe to us in the App Store and Podcasts at bars with the at sign hoops that's bars and hoops once again i'm stills the great signing off